I really believe that the more of us that are doing things that we love, the better off everyone is. Welcome to The Found Podcast with Molly Knuth, a podcast for women who are founding and getting found with their businesses online. I'm your host, Molly Knuth, and my mission is to help women rewrite how we live and work on our own terms. We want to grow families, impact others for the better, and be a positive force in our communities. But we also want to have a fulfilling life, you know? In the past six years, I've gone from being a stay-at-home mom to a freelance social media marketer to a hashtag boss babe, managing client needs, talented team members, and my husband and four kiddos on our little farm here in Eastern Iowa. And what I've learned in that time is that it's not just about going full force or any one-size-fits-all strategy for a business owner. It takes you leaning into your unique gifts, intuition, and goals, and learning who you are as a person along the way to founding this business. So come along for lessons and stories from female founders growing and scaling their businesses through energetics, tried and true tactics, and high vibe personal growth. Be ready to get found. Hey there, friend. I hope you had a fantastic Memorial Day weekend if you're listening to this in real time and you're ready to come back to work full speed ahead and you're taking in a little bit of learning while you do it. Now, this is the perfect episode to get your week kicked off right, and you're going to want to take some notes. I sit down in today's episode with Sarah Walbuser Esquire, who is an attorney for coaches and online entrepreneurs. After several years at a law firm and a few career jumps, which we talk about in the episode, Sarah ended up falling in love with online businesses, and she loves helping entrepreneurs achieve their dreams in a smart and protected way. And as you'll hear me say time and again, the way that she explains what for some of us can be a really overwhelming and maybe even scary legal process, she is so clear and so concise, and she really breaks it down in a way that makes it accessible and achievable, even for those among us who like get hives talking about legalese. So Sarah, and I would say too, like she is super, super interesting. When she's not at her computer, she has a family in St. Louis. She loves having wine with her friends. She loves traveling all over the world and connecting with other online business owners. And in today's episode, we cover everything from when to file for a trademark, when to start your LLC, or is it an S-corp that you need? Why are contracts so important? And what are some of those other things that you really need to make sure that you have, even if you just have a website, so that your passions are legally protected? You will not want to miss a minute of this episode, my friends. So without further ado, we're going to dive right in with my friend, Sarah Walbuser of Destination Legal. Before we get into the episode, friend, there's something I want to share with you. Now, whether you are identified as a small business owner or as an entrepreneur, if you are someone who is a creative, you might be a little bit like me where you love the doing and the creativity that comes with what your business is all about. But when it comes to financial discussions, you're not quite as confident. My friend Sheila Hansen is my secret weapon. She is a CPA and she believes that creatives deserve to understand the money in their business. As a virtual CFO, CPA, and coach, she and her team are your go-to for the money side of your business. 
They understand that you may think you're not good with numbers, but they're here to change that. Others might not take your business as seriously, but they do and they believe that you deserve to understand your money. Now, I have worked with Sheila in a couple of different capacities and I truly believe that if you are someone who is feeling out this concept of outsourcing your bookkeeping or your accounting, the best way to start is with one of Sheila's intensive days. It's an in-depth day for you as the CEO to create a strategic financial plan, and you're not doing it alone. Together, you and Sheila will spend six hours digging into your business numbers and discover the story that they're telling you. Because my friend, it is not just about the numbers at face value. So much of it is about the money mindset and the thoughts that you have about money and how that impacts the decisions you make. After an intensive day with Sheila, you walk away with an action plan for becoming the confident decision maker that you dreamed you would be. Right now, Sheila has a limited number of intensive days available on the calendar for creative business owners who desire more confidence and more strategy around the financial side of their business. And if this sounds like something you need, I highly suggest that you reach out to Sheila by going to Hanson. That's H-A-N-S-E-N-L-L-C.net and heading over to her services page to get set up for a discovery call. I had an intensive day with Sheila back in October of 2021, and she really helped me so much making big decisions and understanding what my money mindset was telling me was a limit and what was just a story I was telling myself. You guys, I cannot recommend my friend Sheila enough. So anyway, head over hansonllc.net, check out her services page and get signed up for one of her intensive days. A limited number of spots are available for 2023 and I'd love to see you get one of them. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us on the Found Podcast today. I am so excited for our conversation about all things legal and I know this is going to be Uh, an episode that the listeners will bookmark and come back to again and again already. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. So I did a brief introduction at the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to turn it over to you for a little bit. In your own words, Sarah, can you take us into who you are, where you're located, and who you serve with your business? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a lot of things. Attorney is one of them. Uh, Wife is one of them. Mama is one of them. Traveler is one of them. Uh, Wine lover is one of them. So those are those are a few. I'm the founder of Destination Legal and we have been around for going on seven years now and we empower coaches and other online business owners and service providers to legally protect their businesses with contracts, terms, and registered trademarks. And located in St. Louis, but my heart is, you know, everywhere. I'm a a huge uh, traveler. And so while we're here now with raising little humans, uh, we talk all the time about uh, traveling and where we want to go next. Oh, that's so interesting. I know when I had connected with you originally about doing this, it was like mid-March 
And I saw that you put out a post about, hey, I love to be a podcast guest. And I was like, great, but I'm traveling right now. I'll get back to you when I'm in the office. And you're like, great, I'm traveling right now too. <laughs> and I love that you're really honing in on helping those, well, all business owners, but really getting specific with those who have that freedom of schedule and can kind of you know, work from anywhere with the online business space. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I first started this business because I wanted freedom and flexibility and I wanted the ability to travel, to work from Starbucks, to, to be able to work whenever I wanted to. And I just knew that I, it was my passion to help others do the same and to help those that want freedom and flexibility in their lives. Like freedom is one of my big core values. And so it was really important for me to support those businesses as well and just help them, you know, get legal and do everything in a safe and secure way because I really believe that the more of us that are doing things that we love, the better off everyone is. Oh, I so agree. And we are going to dig in. I know like right now there's never been a time that it's been easier to start a business and get in front of a lot of people. But that also comes with a lot of some of these unknowns that we might be missing along the way. So we're going to dig in. But before we do, I, I know you led into this a little bit, but I want to dig a little deeper to your origin story. And first, let's talk about what drew you into the practice of law. What kind of got you into that industry in the first place? And then maybe take us through that evolution of working in the industry and deciding to start your own practice. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, in college, I majored in political science and minored in religion. And it was just like, what are you going to do with this? Right? <laughs> like, I had no idea. You know, this was a while ago, you know, back in 2002, I graduated college. And still during that time, it was like, what's your job going to be forever? And I was like, I have no idea. I cannot commit to anything right now forever. And so I love learning. I actually love being in school. And so I was like, well, I'll keep going to school and I'll get a law degree because I don't know what I will do with it, but I know that I can help people in that way. Um, loved law school, but like so many attorneys, uh, I got sucked into working at a law firm, right? Because once you're in law school and you see the money to be made, it just like takes over. And so I ended up working at a law firm in Washington, D.C., and really quickly, I would say within the first six months, I was like, this is not for me. Like, I don't like, I have no desire to be a partner. I don't want the corner office, like all of these long hours, tracking my time. I was just like, this is not fun. Uh, I made it about two years and then was like out of law firm life forever. Um, I went back to school. I got a master's in public health concentrating in health policy. And actually, for many years after that, I worked in international global health from kind of a legal perspective. And part of what I loved during that time period was that I got to travel. So I did get to go to Africa and the Middle East and Southeast Asia and visit all of these amazing places for the work that I was doing. And, you know, if you looked from the outside in, it was like my dream job. I was getting to travel and do all of that. But, you know, what you didn't see, I was traveling maybe two months of the year and the other 10 months sitting in a windowless office writing reports for the government, which nobody ever read. Right? So I was just like, this is not fun. 
you know, I lived in an amazing city in DC. I had all these great friends and I was miserable. I just wasn't happy. And so, you know, it's over 10 years ago now, I started Googling travel while you work, work while you travel, get paid to travel. You know, I wasn't gonna be a travel agent. I knew there had to be other things out there. And through Googling, I stumbled upon a podcast, which was put on by these two guys who talked about the laptop lifestyle, building a business on your computer and traveling the world. They were living in Bali, you know, every day to and from work on my walk, I would listen to this podcast and hear about all of these businesses that were popping up, Digital Nomad, that word was brand new, who even knew what that was? About six to eight months after stumbling upon that, these two guys were offering a two-week workshop on an island in the Philippines where you could go and learn to start an online business. So I quit my job, I cashed in my 401k, and I went to the Philippines and learned how to start a business. So. My first online business was called The Bootstrap Lawyer. And it was interesting because I was looking at all these other things. I could have an e-commerce store. I could do this. I could do that. I really fought doing anything legal because I really didn't like being a lawyer. So I was like, how is this going to turn out? And, you know, I listened to their guidance. I built this website, but it still didn't fit great. And it was actually, it'll would be another three years before Destination Legal was born. And in between that time, I, I did run an e-commerce store and I did some consulting and I did travel as a digital nomad, but it wasn't until I really stumbled upon the coaching world and other kind of service providers and online business owners that I found my spot. And I, I met all of these incredible women that were health coaches and life coaches and business coaches, and they needed help. They were always asking me, you know, what's a privacy policy and where do I get a trademark and um, what's in a contract and why do I need this? And, you know, their options really were to go to a big law firm and pay thousands of dollars and probably have some old dude that didn't even understand what an online business was. And, you know, there were not a lot of other virtual online attorneys at the time. There are now, but this was back in 2015, 2016, when it really was the unknown. So Destination Legal began and, you know, we've been helping ever since. So much of your story I love because it's like, this continued discussion from like guest to guest on this podcast about being open with yourself to evolve. Talking about what you originally got your undergrad degree in to then when you got your law degree, then to working in the governmental health industry. Like there are so many different iterations of your life and your career, but I loved following along that journey and seeing how every step now in hindsight, right? But every step really adds up to make you the person, the business owner, and the resource you are today to help these online coaches, service providers, and health professionals, because you can really draw from your experiences in so many different ways. Yeah, it's true. It, but it really is in hindsight, as you said, because as I was right. moving along, myself and more so my parents were like, what are you doing? Where is all of this going, right? Oh, yeah, I know. Because one of the things I wrote down while you were talking about taking that leap to 
attend the conference, when you said you've cashed in your 401k, my question I wrote down was, how did you feel about that? (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, it was not an easy time. So, you know, that followed a period of moving back in with my parents, not being sure what I was going to do, you know, feeling a bit lost, but I, I had the end in mind. And after about, you know, my parents were just like, you need to apply for real jobs. What are you doing? Eventually, after like six to eight months of floundering, I bought a one-way ticket to Thailand. And I was like, I'm going to make this happen. People in Thailand are running online businesses. I'm just going to go be around them and learn what to do. And so that was kind of the, the really important step and leap that I took that got me the connections, got me my first clients. And, you know, that doing that was really what allowed me to build because sometimes when we're in that scary place, we can feel stuck. But, you know, taking the leap and taking the risk, looking back is like, wow, I'm so glad that I did that. Mm, Yeah, it was your all in moment. Like, this is gonna work. I'm gonna make it work. And this is the like, this is that moment in time before this and after this. So thank you for sharing all that. I think it's, it's great for the listeners to hear because maybe if they're in that place, they can see that there is light on the other side. So thank absolutely. You for being open. Yeah. Hey friend, I'm interrupting this episode just briefly to ask you how you're spending your summer. Ugh, summer is the best. Warmer weather, longer days, sunshine, heading to the pool, going to watch baseball, sitting around the campfire. Gosh, summer is just so full of so many things and I love it. I'm here for summer. But as a small business owner, sometimes your summer schedule can feel a little cramped because of all the tasks that you have to do, especially your social media marketing that just never ends. Now, I don't want your summer plans to get cramped by any means. So here at MKM, we've got something to help out head over to mollyknuthmedia.com slash shop and check out our Content Confident subscription. Content Confident is a monthly subscription program that delivers a strategic content calendar direct to your inbox, along with links to trending audio on Instagram reels, caption starters, where you literally just like fill in the blank of these captions and then copy and paste them into your posts, Canva templates that you can customize for your information and your business's branding. We've got links to example posts that you can use for inspiration. We've got trainings so that you know what's working right now on social media. And the best part, it's more efficient. It's less stressful. And you can plug and play and get back to your summer plans. It's only $27 a month, my friend, to get started. So head over to mollyknuthmedia.com slash shop to check out content confident for yourself. And while you're there, also check into the annual subscription that gives you the rest of 2023 membership for one convenient price. That's mollyknuthmedia.com slash shop and check out content confident for the summer of your dreams. So Now that you are Destination Legal is set up, I love looking at your website and seeing all the resources that you offer from your blogs to your contract templates that are available for listeners and for people who visit your site. 
But one thing that really stuck out to me, which listeners, you're going to love this. We'll link to it in the show notes. But I really loved the resource that you provided that made it so simple for anybody in the online space to get set up legally. So for anyone listening right now, legal might seem scary or overwhelming, but what are those four things that you have on a checklist that make it simple for them to get started? Yeah, absolutely. You know, legal is, think of it as a toolbox, right? You don't necessarily need everything on day one. There are a few things. And as you grow, you kind of build on that. Absolutely getting started. There are a couple of key pieces. One, for anyone you know, in as a service provider, as a coach, kind of working one-on-one, consultant, anything like that, the most important piece is your one-on-one contract. It's more important than an LLC. It's more important than insurance. Like your legal contract is what protects you the most. It keeps you from needing, you know, to use insurance. It keeps you from needing the LLC. Now those things are great. Don't get me wrong. I always support everyone having insurance and eventually being an LLC because those things provide legal protection, but your contract is really your biggest safety net. And, you know, contracts have so many amazing pieces to them. Some people think, oh, I just need like a payment refund policy. Other people like, oh, I just need, you know, disclaimers and a waiver, but really it's all of it that makes it helpful. And so those pieces are important, but also terms of what's included in your package, how and when are you getting paid, Um, protection for your intellectual property, copyright issues, things like that. And something that's awesome about contracts is they help build boundaries and create expectations with your clients, right? And so sometimes your clients have a question, having a contract for them to refer back to is really important. And so that's always the number one. And then when you're starting out, you know, you probably have a website and websites need legal protection as well. Whether you have a brick and mortar or not, like if you have a website that is your online home, right? And it has to have a privacy policy that's legally required in the US and in most countries. It should also have website terms of disclaimer and disclaimers, which protect you as the business owner from liability from those visiting your website. So if you have a newsletter, if you have a blog, what you're putting out there opens you up to liability and those website terms of service and disclaimers protect you from that. What's nice about website stuff is you get it and it just sits there. You don't have to think about it. You've checked it off your, your, you know, the legal checklist and you're good to go. And then the final piece is for those that, um, as you continue to grow and you might start offering, you know, an online course or a membership or a group program, and that's when you need to think about terms of purchase. And so terms of purchase, you know, we all agree to think all the time when we're shopping online by clicking here, you agree to our terms of purchase and these outline what you're selling. Again, payment refund policy disclaimers, all of that. The big difference is, whereas if you're working one-on-one, typically that contract is gonna be signed with terms of purchase, it's at the point of checkout. So hopefully hundreds and thousands of people are buying your online products and that's just a smoother way to, to get that done. So those are kind of the main pieces to think about as you're building your business. I think those that it's such a, a clear and concise way 
to break down those initial legal steps to really protect your business. And I love that throughout your socials and your website, you're talking about protecting the passions that we all have, which is why we got into business in the first place. And it's so important, no matter where you're at along your business journey, to really follow up with these four things and make sure you have them in place so that you are protected and your business is legally sound. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of our registered trademarks is protect your passion because it really is our passion to help business owners protect their passion. You know, I don't love talking about privacy policies all day, right? Like I wouldn't say reading contracts is my passion, but helping others achieve their passion and what they want to do is what excites me and knowing that they're protected and that they can be more confident and empowered in their own businesses. Like that's where the passion comes in for me. Oh, I think that is so important. So thank you for highlighting that. Um, I want to circle back to contracts for just a second, because I know in my early days of business and for a lot of the people that I've worked with over the years, putting that contract in place can seem scary. And especially for maybe people who are listening that are in small towns where things a lot of times get done with a handshake agreement, it can be like, oh my gosh, am I asking too much of this person to sign a contract? Am I being a little overbearing? What do you say to that person who is a little nervous to put a contract in place? Yeah, so, you know, legal actually can be a a mindset issue and kind of a mindset block in the online space because, or even in a small town or a small business where, you know, exactly as you said, you might know your clients and you're just handshaking. But even if you live in a small town and you're going to buy a car, you're signing an agreement, right? If you're going to buy a house, you're signing a contract. It's just what business owners do. And I promise that your clients expect it and will appreciate it when you hand over a contract. And actually, if you don't, could very well be a red flag for those like, oh, well, this isn't, she's not taking this seriously, you know? So I, you know, I like to tell people to think of legal as, you know, this is something that business owners do. It's there to protect you. It's there to protect your client with both parties. And honestly, if you have a client that's afraid to sign your contract, like, good, run the other way, right? This isn't someone that you want to do business with. I also have a lot of people say, my clients are amazing. I love them all. Nothing would ever happen. And 99% of the time, that's true. But there is the 1%. And the 1%, the one client that decides to sue you, it's not great for your business and can really disrupt everything and in fact, take your entire business. So we're really playing offense here. Um, Similarly to how we don't necessarily love paying for health insurance or love paying for car insurance, we're really glad that we do when we need it. And so the same is with legal, you know, no one, I mean, some people do, but not everyone loves to spend money on legal but they're really glad that they have it when they need it. Because when it comes to legal, it's not a matter of if, it's when. If you're in business long enough, you're gonna have a legal issue pop up. Oh, that's so good to compare it to insurance where hopefully you never need to fall back on it, but in the event you do, you're so glad that it's in place. And I know that at the beginning of my business, I was really nervous to put contracts in place, but 
to your very point, I was like, I want to make sure that I'm doing this the right way from the start. And I don't run into any issues at any point down the road. And I can't tell you how many times myself personally, I have gone back to the contract on my own end to say, okay, they have this request for the project. Did that fall within the scope of what we signed to? Yes, it did or no, it didn't. So then that tells me the next step. So I'm not caught up in scope creep or anything like that as an online service provider. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because scope creep is such a a thing that can happen to small business owners. And it is the scope of work. It is the contract that is going to save you and your time and make sure that you're getting paid for the work that you're doing. Mm, Yes, I think so. Anybody listening out there, if you're an online service provider, oh, and this leads me into my next question for you too, Sarah, but make sure you at least have a contract in place with the clients you're currently working with. Okay, so leading into my next question, if we just have one contract, is that enough? Or if we are like an online service provider, but we also offer a mastermind or we also offer workshops here and there, do we need to have a different kind of contract for the different arms of our business? Yeah, usually you do. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, like legal is a toolbox that you might add to as you go along. So if you're working one-on-one as a service provider and you start out like that, a one-on-one contract is great. And it's those terms of purchase that you would bring in if you maybe have a, a mastermind or if you're expanding, growing into a membership site or things like that. If you're hosting a retreat, which is live on location, you need a retreat contract because the liability that comes up being in person is just, you know, double, triple what it would be online. So you need to make sure that you have that in place as well. So yes, there isn't going to be one contract that will work for everything because each offer and program and service that you have is unique as well. Mm. Okay. So to follow up on that too, Like, let's say that somebody is in the health industry that's listening, and another person is a coach for other business owners. Can they use the same one-on-one service provider contract, or do they need to customize it? So something that is unique about Destination Legal is that we actually have two different contracts for those groups that you just talked about, because, you know, quote-unquote, regular coaches, business coaches, life coaches, career coaches have different issues than a health coach, a nutrition coach, a personal trainer, et cetera. And so something that is unique about us is that we actually separate that out because, and I was just at a conference last week speaking to 700 nutrition and fitness coaches, the liability is very different. If you are working with, you know, eating and weight loss and exercise and, you know, things that are physical, there's just different liabilities than if you're helping someone build a business or, you know, shape up their resume or talk about money mindset, right? They're just different. They're both equally important and you certainly need those contracts for each. But if you are in the health and wellness field, just be aware that a typical service provider or coaching contract is probably not going to have adequate protections for you. Oh, and I'm so thankful that you directed us back to the website because listener, we will link all of this in the show notes. But when you go visit the Destination Legal site, you'll see that not only do they have these contracts for the various industries really clearly labeled out for you to purchase and use, but I love that you also have bundles available 
so that if somebody just needs a contract, they can just get a contract. But if they need those terms of purchase and they need those website disclosures and all those things, then they can get that all at once as well. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you said, you know, a lot of people come just asking, what, what do I need to get started? And so that's why we have the starter bundle, because really all you need is your, your contract for one-on-one and your website, and then you can build on that as you grow. But we find people, you know, typically really like having those bundles and getting a lot of stuff at once. Mm. All right. I'm going to pivot just a little bit, but this is a question that I get a lot when I'm talking with business owners, once they get to a certain, well, it could be right away, but also I feel like it's something that comes with time and evolution, the topic of trademarks. So can you walk us through when you believe it is time for a business owner to apply or use a trademark to protect their passions? Yes. I love this question. So you can apply for a trademark anytime even before you're selling something. So something to know is you can only get a trademark if it is actually tied to goods or products or services that you're selling. So it can't just be a random name that you use. It can't be the name of your Facebook group. Really, it's typically your business name, your signature program name, course name, um, a product that you're selling, your, your brick and mortar store, something you put on apparel, things like that. And so it can, you can have it, you can apply for it any time to reserve the name as well. So Amazon has like over 900 trademarks, but only, you know, 50 of those are active. The rest, you know, they're trying to get, they might be saving them for future product line, things like that. So you can do that. But, you know, the real, the answer to this is more emotional than it is kind of logical. And I like to use something called the gut punch test. So The gut punch test is if you're thinking about your brand name, your business name, a program name, you know, a group name, something like that. If you got a cease and desist letter in the mail tomorrow that said you have 10 days to rebrand, you cannot use this name anymore, how would you feel? If you get like a gut punch, like, oh my gosh, I've invested five years and $50,000 in building this brand name, and now I have to completely redo it all, that would be devastating. That means it's time to trademark. If your answer was, eh, not a big deal, I'm not too tied to that name, then it's not, right? So trademarking, it takes some time, it's an investment, so you wanna make sure that it's a name that you love and that you see your business using five, 10 years down the road. Because what a trademark does is it allows you to own that name within your industry. Nobody else can be, can use it. It's a, it's a business asset that you can actually then sell at a later point. So it is really an awesome thing to have. It's addicting. I have like five of them. I have clients that, you know, have five, seven, 10 trademarks and it's really awesome, but you, you do want to make sure that it's a name that's going to be around for a while. Oh, thank you for giving, again, that clear, concise picture about when you should consider it. And I think that gut punch check, that's just what we need to know if it's time or not. So let's say that I've got two questions following up here. First of all, maybe walk us through what does it look like if we take that gut punch check and we say, okay, I need to get started on this because I haven't yet. 
what are some of those first steps in the trademark process? Yeah, absolutely. So a first step that you should take, even when you're thinking about naming something, your business, a new product, a new service, just Google, like Google the name, see what's out there, see if someone else is using it, check social media. If someone in your industry is using it and it's trademarked with the R with the circle, not the TM, that doesn't mean it's actually trademarked, that has no legal significance. It's just something people put out there saying, I intend to trademark it or I'm claiming ownership, but it's really not until you have the R with the circle that, that somebody actually owns it. So if you see someone um, that has it trademarked, then you can double check that it actually is on the USPTO.gov website, but then you need a different name because if someone owns it in your industry, you can't use it. So the first step is just kind of looking around. And then if you're ready to take that step, you know, find a trademark attorney to help you. Like, please do not go to legal Z-O-O-M, right? Like, you know, I've had a lot of horror stories, people coming to me after a situation with those types of, of things. Find someone that you can talk to and um, start the process because, you know, as I said, it can take a year or more to get it approved. There are 45 different classes of goods or services. You need to pick the right one for your business. You know, there's, you have to describe your product or service in a way that's broad enough so you get the most protection, but narrow enough so, you know, that it doesn't seem like you're going after too much. So there's a lot of nuances there, but once you connect with a trademark attorney that you trust, like hopefully they will make the process really easy on you. That's certainly our goal. We're like a full service trademark package, totally hands off for our clients and we handle everything from start to finish. Oh, that is really, really great information and recommendations because I know, and I've, I have friends in business who have gone through the trademark process themselves and just done it on their own. But to your point, it might take a little more time or they might have missed something in, in along the way. And I know that me personally, I am totally the kind of person that's like, yes, give me somebody who I can call on the phone and get help if and when I need it. So thank you for making that distinction for the listeners today. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, there are a lot of people that try on their own and then they run into an issue. They get an office action from USPTO and they just then stop. They abandon their trademark application. They think it didn't get through. But really, those office actions can be overcome with proper legal arguments. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And so if you're listening and you've tried this on your own and, you know, had an issue, like all might not be lost. You might still be able to get it through. But at that point, you definitely need an attorney. And so, you know, I'm like you. If I, you know, I just equated to like, I could try to fix my own toilet and plumbing, but like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to call a plumber because they went to school for that. And it's just going to be easier in the long run. So things like trademarks are similar, like do what you do, you know, serve your clients well and leave the legal to lawyers. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. So let's take for a second, someone who's finding themselves on the other side of this. Maybe they did receive a cease and desist in the mail. And when they get that letter, what do you advise them to do? So really, there isn't anything to do except comply unless you think that the trademark and your business name are not similar. So 
For example, I was at this conference last weekend. Someone came up to me. She had just gotten an email from a business owner that said, I own this trademark. This is my business name. This is your business name. And the difference was the registered trademark was business name Y-O-U. And the woman that I was talking to, it was business name U. So they sounded the same, even though they didn't look the same. But in the trademark world, it's not just how they look, it's how they sound and the commercial impression. Those are too similar. There was no option for her except to comply. Now, she could have not complied and see if then the next step, she would have gotten a claim for trademark infringement and have to go to court, not ideal. But if you get a cease and desist and the names are similar and it's someone within your industry, there's not much to do but comply. The biggest place where you can kind of negotiate is how much time you have to rebrand. So sometime they'll be like, you need to stop using this immediately. Other times they'll be like, we're going to give you four to six weeks to, you know, do this to get to bring out the new name. You know, you can take that time. But um, unless, you know, it, it does happen that someone could be overreaching and trying to scare people. So you do want to make sure the names have to be quite similar such that consumers might be confused. If someone is, you know, it's if you look at the name and you're like, this has nothing to do with my name or my audience, then you might have an argument and be able to stand up to it. Mm. Thank you for clarifying that, because I know friends personally who have been on that side of the legal process and they have received cease and desist. And in one case, you know, my friend had to go through the process of renaming and rebranding after an investment, which was like not only a financial burden, but also just like mental and emotional because she had put so much time and energy into it. It's so true. I see it all the time. And, you know, the only way to ensure for sure that you're not going to get a cease and desist letter is to own the trademark yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the, the protection that you have. And, you know, when someone comes to me, and you know with this amazing name and business that they've built and they've had it for years and you know they want to trademark it and it's too late like that's devastating mm. oh my gosh one of the things i did before we sat down to record was i put out some feelers on social media with my followers and said hey if you guys have any legal questions that you want us to tackle on the podcast please submit them here and are you game if we answer a couple of questions submitted by the listeners and followers? Of course. Bring them on. Awesome. Wonderful. Okay. The first question, what do we apply for? An LLC or an S-Corp? What is your recommendation and what is the difference between the two? And if you need a little context around this person in particular, I can give it to you. Nope. So... I always recommend that you start as an LLC, as a limited liability company. It is the simplest to get for most small business owners. This is going to be sufficient. Any type of corporation, whether it's a, a regular corporation, an S corporation, they have all of these requirements and board meetings and minutes and reports and, you know, all of this stuff that just doesn't really apply to us. You know, corporations are really meant for those businesses that are making tens of millions, billions of dollars. Now, if that's you, amazing. You can always switch to a corporation down the road. So what I really suggest is starting as an LLC. And then once you're making 100K a year or more, you can be taxed as an S-corp. 
to get those tax benefits without having to do all of the additional requirements for a corporation. So that's something that your accountant can help you with um, once you're at that point of kind of being taxed as an S-Corp. You will become an employee of your company um, and then you save on, you save a lot on taxes, self-employment taxes. But starting out, I always recommend LLC as the way to go. And this is something you can do yourself. So you don't need an attorney for this. You can just go to the Secretary of State for your website or for your website, for your state, their website and, and file. And if you, if any of you need help on this, we have a product called Happy Hour Your LLC that teaches you, walks you through starting an LLC in one happy hour. It's like 27 bucks. So that's a nice resource to have. Mm, I love, thank you for taking us into the financial side of it too. Cause I was like, I know that there are legal and tax implications of the answer to this question. So thank you for making it again, very clear for us to understand. And I love that happy hour, your LLC idea, because it makes it so accessible and so like breaks down the barriers of entry almost that can go up around the legal process for a lot of us that aren't in the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I checked Instagram. We didn't get any more questions there. I'm going to check one more place to see if any others came in. Okay. Are there any questions that we haven't covered that you find are commonly asked among your followers online? I guess one, you know, going back to kind of the LLC question, one I get a question a lot of like, when do I need to start my LLC? So Mm -hmm. a lot of people think it needs to be the first thing that you do, and it doesn't. The first thing you need is a contract, right? That's the one takeaway I want you guys to have. Um, An LLC is a great idea within the first six months to a year of your business. There's a lot of benefits. It separates your personal assets from your business assets. It's easier to get a business bank account. You get your tax EIN, lots of benefits. Um, But again, don't let that stop you from moving forward in your business. Get going, get some clients. As long as you have your contract, you're good to go. And then again, you know, within that first six months to a year, once you know your business is viable is when you want to think about that. Sarah, thank you so much for all of your advice today. And if we have listeners who want to go and follow up on what you offer, some of the contract templates you have available, some of your free resources, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Destinationlegal.com. You will see tons of templates and bundles. You can grab that free checklist that we talked about. And then you can follow us on Instagram at Destination Legal, where I share legal tips and tricks and some travel and some babies and other things. (laughs) I love it. Okay, Sarah, before we sign off, We typically end the interview with what I like to call the small talk round, which is just a few questions off the cuff. I did not prepare. Are you game to play? Yes, please. All right. Question number one, and this might be a tough one for you to answer. What is your favorite place in the whole wide world to travel to? Oh, that is a tough one. Um, If you need to, you can break it down to international versus domestic. No, 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 no. I'm going to say, I'm going to say at the moment, my favorite place that I would love to go back to tomorrow would be Santorini, Greece. Ooh, what did you love about it so much? It's just so beautiful. It's like small, it's manageable. And like you get these 360 degree views of just beautiful water and rocks coming out of the water and Greek food and 
you know, it's just, it's just dreamy there. Mm. All right. Question number two. Let's say that you are at your desk for a work day. What are two things that you always have within arm's reach? So I always have water. I drink a lot of sparkling water. So I have my Yeti mug filled with sparkling water um, and my phone. Like not very exciting, but those are two things that are always there. (laughs) I can relate. I have the same too. All right. Question number three. We're looking ahead at summertime for 2023. What is one thing on your personal bucket list for the summer? And what's one thing that you have on your professional bucket list? (sighs) So on my professional bucket list is to go to one or two more conferences this year and hopefully speak or be a sponsor. That's something we've just started doing and I really love it. And personal bucket list, gosh. I mean, to just travel, have a few trips, have a few pool days, just relax. I mean, nothing is like um, too exciting there, but just to kind of take some time and chill out. Mm, I love that. Just finding peace and relaxation. Exactly. Okay. Last question. If you had a theme song when you walked into a room, what would it be? This girl's on fire. (laughs) I love that one. My little niece, she's almost three years old, and she sings that part where Alicia Keys does the run, and she like wiggles her body up and down. So it follows. Yes, that that gets me. Got it. Gets me going. Yeah. Uh, Well, Sarah, I am just so appreciative of your time today. And again, listener, head over to the show notes. I cannot encourage you enough to go visit her website. Take advantage of how easy she makes it to legally protect yourself and protect your passions through Destination Legal. Thank you so much, Sarah. You are so welcome. Hey friend, thank you so much for listening in to The Found Podcast. If you loved what you heard in today's episode, please head over to The Found Podcast on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. It means so much to know how you think about these episodes where I pour out my heart or to know what strategies you found most effective from our guest experts. While you're there, you can also check out that library of 100 plus episodes of stories of female founders and successful strategies for getting found in your business. Thank you again for being here this week and I'll be back with even more in next week's episode.